six things to look out for in your workplace to know if you're going to be continuing that with them in the nearest future or you found your dream. Welcome to Distress with Dr. E, the ultimate podcast for African professionals seeking to regain balance in their lives. Join your favorite host, Dr. E, and together we will explore the art of stress management and the path to holistic wellness. Buckle up because we're about to go on a journey that will transform your life for the better. Hi everyone, welcome again and in today's episode of De-Stress with Dr. E, we are going to be talking about six things to look out for in your workplace to know if you're going to be continuing that with them in the nearest future or you found your dream job. So I know that this is the end of the year and it's very important for you to be listening to this podcast at this time. In as much as um, in as much as some people may be listening to this later at different times, it will still be very very useful. So, that being said, here are things you should look out for. It's more like a workplace evaluation. I think sometime in November or October. So my workplace sent out a survey to feel about the workplace. They wanted to gauge employee satisfaction. They wanted to gauge um, whether we would want to continue there, whether we want to recommend the workplace to other people. When I took that assessment, it was so familiar with me. The, the, the structure was familiar with me. Reason being that I have trained um, and become certified in work-related stress management. So there are six basic framework of assessing a workplace and the risk of stress among employees and employers. So these six basic frameworks were what or was what my workplace used in carrying out that survey. And to be honest, it was so detailed. If you are fortunate to work in such a place um, that considers your interest, that considers your welfare, your opinion, then you're very blessed. I must tell you, because when such assessments are done, they put it into practice. They use it to implement new strategies or to know things to consolidate on so that the workplace will remain a safe space for employees and even other people that may want to join the organization. So if your workplace doesn't do something like that, don't worry. I'm still going to share with you these six basic frameworks that should constitute a standard workplace. I know that standard may be far reaching, but if your workplace can tick some of these boxes, that's even awesome. So this is going to be an evaluation of your workplace to know whether you're going to continue there to also reveal to you possible causes of stress and burnout in that workplace. Probably you can put up a suggestion to your employer, to the line manager or anybody or anybody, or it can even be an assessment or evaluation for you to consider your future in that workplace. Okay. So before I dive into the six structures, I must let you know this, there is this rave about workplace toxicity, like toxic workplaces. And there are certain things people look out for when they hear things like that. You hear somebody talking about, um, 
a, a boss that is so demanding or a boss that is just toxic or work colleagues that are so intolerable that you just can't work with, you know? So the focus is usually on the people, the boss, the colleagues, you know, and then sometimes you hear things about the workload. And then when you hear things like this and your workplace doesn't tick any of these boxes, you may be bound to be like, okay, my workplace is not toxic. That means I'm not at risk of any stress or I shouldn't be burnt out. But let me tell you something. You can be doing what you love and still experience burnout. You can be working in that your supposed excellent workplace, yet you're undergoing stress and burnout. And in this episode, you're going to understand why I said this. So let's quickly dive in and share the C's basic structures. Okay. Now the first one is what is called demand. When I talk about demand, there are three things. You can have your pen and paper and be writing while I'm talking, okay? So there are three things under demand. So demand is basically the demand on you from your workplace. So it could be, one, due to workload. So if you're working in a place where the workload is so much, so much more than you can handle, It could be a source of stress and burnout because you're working beyond your capacity. Your line manager or your colleague or your boss comes to you and tell you, hey, there is this extra thing you need to do. But you know that you still have so much to handle. And because you you just don't know how to say no to people, you take it on. And what do you think is going to happen? You're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel stressed at the end of the day. And you find yourself operating below capacity, below, um, below competence, because it would be like, you're not finishing your job early or you're leaving late from work, or you're just too tired to execute excellently as you ought to. All right. So in situations like that, this is a very important time for you to like, take a step back when people are bringing you that extra workload. Can you actually do it? Like here in the UK, the usual thing is, are you happy to do this? So if you take a step back and you know that this is beyond what you can handle and you just don't know how to say no to people, now I'm going to share with you polite ways you can say no without feeling guilty about it and still maintaining the relationship so that you don't go out tomorrow and be like, oh, I've really wonderful relationship because I said no. Now, here are certain things you can do. Number one, you can say something like, oh, I would have loved to do this. However, I still have A, B, C. Okay. You see that? So you're not outrightly saying no, you're just making them understand that you have a workload at the same time, acknowledging that you can actually help them. And then the second thing you can try is instead of just stopping at that, you can even go extra mile to recommend something they can do or somebody else that can help in the workload, you know, so you can go the extra mile to give them recommendations and they'll be happy to live with it because they know that you genuinely care. You would have really loved to help. So that's where you've not said, you've said no, but at the same time, you are not going to live with that guilt for some people. This doesn't apply to everyone. There are people that they don't mind. No is no. I can't do it. I can't do it. But for those that are really, really sensitive to 
their relationship with people. They don't want to, they don't want to bruise anybody's ego. So these two things I just shared are way that you can say no and still maintain that ex, that working relationship with whoever it is. Okay. So that is with workplace demand. Now, the second one is workplace pattern. So what I mean by pattern is this, does your workplace give you that flexibility? That flexibility in the sense that there may be times where uh, maybe due to childcare, you need to rush out um, maybe at a particular hour to sort out a child, maybe somebody that is unwell. Does your workplace give you that flexibility to be able to do this while still performing at optimal productivity? What I mean is this, if your workplace is flexible, it could be, okay, at the end of the day, just achieve the targets, the productivity targets, okay? You can choose to do it however you want. You can choose to come in earlier in the morning or you can choose to leave late in the evening so long as you get the job done. Or is your workplace so rigid like you must come in at a particular time, you will not go anywhere else until you're done. Now, another thing that you can consider when you're talking about workplace pattern is like my workplace, we have various patterns of working. So I work in accident and emergency. I saw the time you're listening to this. And it means that some days I go to work 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Other days I go to work 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. Some days I go to work 6 p.m. to 4 a.m. So I have like six different workplace patterns, including night shifts, you know. So in such pattern, if, if it's not spaced out adequately, this kind of pattern can make one to have poor sleep and also experience burnout if it's not spaced out uh, to accommodate adequate rest, okay? So what's your work pattern? What does your work pattern look like? Okay, now, still on demand, the third one is the work environment. What I mean by work environment is this. If you look at, let me start with the obvious, like your home office, what does it look like? Is everywhere disorganized? Are there things scattered everywhere? You know, if your workplace is not organized, you're bound to feel stressed and overwhelmed, even without you being actively involved in something that is making you stressed out. So if you're working in a place where everyone is just jam-packed in one small room, no breathing space, so much noise, the generator is out there close to a road that everyone is just honking at every moment, you know, it can be so distracting and it makes you kind of multitask. You're trying to focus at the same time. You're forced to listen to distractions here and there. You're forced to listen to side thoughts from different colleagues. So if you're working in a place where all these distractions are there, what do you think is going to happen? You will struggle. Okay. You're going to feel so stressed out at the end of the day. You're going to be having those bounding headaches at the end of each day because it's so stressful. The work environment is not so conducive. Okay. So all of these are under demand. Now I'm sure that some things could be familiar with your workplace and I'm sure you're realizing you're putting one or two together to help you understand where your workplace fits in and ticking some of these boxes. Now, the second thing we are going to talk about is control. Now, when we talk about control, we are basically saying, how much control do you have over what you do? Now, there are certain workplaces where your employer micromanages you. That's, they micromanage you to the point that you start questioning yourself that, 
was I really employed based on my competency or I was employed so that somebody would tell me what I should be doing part-time? You know, as a reasonable employee, you already know what is expected of you. You already know the targets. You already know what you've been employed for the job description and all of that. And then the work itself already has its own pressure. Now imagine working in a place where somebody else is putting additional pressure on you to deliver. You know, they want to know what you're doing every hour. They want to know why you're pressing your phone at that particular time. They want to know why you're talking to somebody else. They want to know why you're responding to an email at a particular time, you know? So such micromanaging can be really, really stressful because the truth is this, we are adults. Nobody wants to be told what to do, especially when they know what to do. And I will give you an example. Imagine you know, you're going to wash plates in your own home. For those of you that grew up in, Af- well, this is African professional. So I expect that everyone grew up in African homes. You know that you're going to wash plate or they've told you earlier that you should wash plate at a particular time in the morning or evening. And then, and you've prepared, this is what you're going to do. And then <laughs> just as you're about to get up, they now tell you, ha, remember to wash that plate too. There's this vexer. This kind of vex that will just come upon you like, uh-uh, what is this? In fact, it may get to a point where you'll be like, I'm not washing again. <laughs> so nobody wants that steady reminder when you know you're going to do it. We are adults and we are reasonable adults. So if you are an employer that is doing this, I would encourage you to kind of retrace and let your employee breathe. Let them breathe. Don't suffocate them in trying to control and micromanage them. So that is for control. Now, the third thing, the third structure of framework is support. Now, when you talk about support, Everyone throws around this word, I have a supportive workplace or my workplace is not supportive. But when you talk about support, there are certain elements to look out for. Okay. Number one, what resources are available? You know, one thing that happens in most workplaces, most workplaces are actually reactive. They wait for something to happen before they now start being reactive, trying to figure out, okay, Hey, what are we going to do now? Before you know it, the damage has been done already. And you know, one of the implications of letting things wait till the last minute, till the error has, has been done, it can cost a company, an organization, its reputation. Okay. Words of the mouth spread quickly. And we are in social media era. You don't want your workplace to be on the news or in the news for the negative reasons. You know, you don't want your workplace to carry that tag of, Oh, this is a toxic place. They don't support the staff. Um, if you bring up a complaint, nobody cares about you, you know, so you can be proactive. If your workplace is proactive in the sense that, okay, you can ask questions or when you are employed, you've seen your contracts or you've seen your workplace policy on how they react on how they respond to situations like workplace bullying. What is the policy there? Or, or things like, having resources to upscale, sorry, to upgrade or resources like well-being resources, which is very, very essential for every workplace at the moment. Like if I'm stressed, who can I talk to? If the workplace is stressing me, can I confide in the HR to actually support me or the HR is going to use my story to turn it against me and eventually get me fired? 
you know so these are the things we look out for when we're talking about supportive workplace okay now another thing you're talking about resources to help you upskill to help you grow because if you come into a workplace you shouldn't be the same person that started the job along six months down the line or one year down the line, there should be a difference. There should be that opportunity to grow. For instance, you want to do a training. Your workplace should be able to say, okay, we can support you. Even if we don't give you the money to do the training, we can support you like giving you um, the break or let me say one day off, two days off, go and do the training, upskill, improve yourself, gain the extra knowledge. By doing that, you are also adding value to our company. Okay. So in some cases, yeah, you may want to be doing it for the future purposes, but in the meantime, it is an added value to the company. Right. So your workplace should be supportive to let you upgrade and upskill whenever is necessary and even there should be mandatory trainings for employees so it shouldn't be like okay you've been there for a long time no trainings you are just doing the same thing going to work and come back no challenges nothing at all it can be so boring and then you start wondering why people are resigning because they don't see themselves progressing people want to be better five years down the line but such workplace isn't offering it so how is it really supportive all right. So you now realize that there are so many elements when you're talking about supportive workplaces. All right. Now we are going to talk about the fourth structure, which is relationship. Relationship is about relationship with your peers, with your colleagues, relationship with your bosses, with your managers. How does your workplace support something like that? Does it create that positive environment to, to make it easy for everyone to relate with each other? Let me tell you something. In your workplace, you're spending like minimum one third of your 24 hours. So essential um, communication or great working relationship with the people you're working with, a place where it feels like you're working as a team is very, very important in the productivity of a workplace and employee satisfaction. I'll give you an instance. If you're with somebody that doesn't see you as a teammate, they are so quick to shout down at you. They are so quick to victimize you. They are so quick to call out your errors, to mess you up. How do you think you're going to feel in such a workplace? You'll feel stressed out always. And before you know it, you're talking about toxic workplace. Before you know it, you're talking about burnout. You're talking about stress and burnout. But if your workplace supports positive relationship, they are quick to tackle bullies. They have policies that addresses any form of victimization. You'll be like, oh, great. This is a wonderful place to work. And a workplace that encourages teamwork. You know, teamwork, you go to work each day looking forward to the same pe- the same set of people because you know that everyone is working together as a team, regardless of your job role, whether you're a cleaner, whether you are the IT guy, whether you are the sales agent, whether you're the marketing person or anything, everybody is working together to achieve a particular goal. That means we are all a team. Okay? So... That is it for relationship. Now, the fifth structure that we will talk about is role. Now, one mistake certain workplaces do is that they've employed you for something and then they expect you to do other things. No clarity. 
roles are clashing. Have you been in a workplace where two people are fighting for a particular thing? Let me say, let me give an instance. If you, you could be working in the hospital and then you hear things like, oh, it's the nurses that should do the blood test. No, somebody else says, no, it's the doctor that should do the blood test. If that clarity is not there, there will be conflictions. There will be conflicting rules. Okay. And before you know it, it will trigger conflict. It will trigger friction among the colleagues, you know, because nobody really knows who should do what. So every workplace should be clear. Every employee should have clarity on what they are employed for. Okay. Even if you're going to introduce something new, make it clear. Let there be no doubts because once doubts set in, people may tend to work suboptimally. And when they are working suboptimally, you that is the boss will just come up and be shouting, why are you guys doing this? Why are you not delivering as you ought to? You know, whereas they don't even know what's expected of them. So if you, if you're, as, if you're evaluating your workplace now, figure out, do you really understand what is expected of you in that job? If you don't, I think this is a time for you to ask questions so that you be clear on the expectations and to also avoid conflicts in that workplace, all right? The final thing is change, okay? Now, it's awesome if you're working in a place where you feel valued. Now, compare it to another workplace where you just wake up one morning and they've introduced a new policy. You'll be like, where is this one coming from? What am I supposed to do? How does this affect me? You know, so if your workplace just introduces a policy out of the blues, what do you think is going to happen? It's going to cause some disruptions, at least for that 24 hours or even 48 hours or even one week. You know, that is why it's very important if you're introducing any policies, if you're introducing something different, a change, you're changing the IT system. You're going to build something else or establish a new office for something as in any change whatsoever. It's very important to communicate it with your employees ahead of time. And let me tell you one, one thing that prove productivity in your workplace. If you carry your employees along from time to time, sit with them and have meetings. How do you think we can do better? To be honest, people are carrying ideas. And if you don't harness that idea while they're still with you, they will go somewhere else and, and, and give it to other people free of charge or even ask money for it. So this is a time to engage your employees. I know that you've employed them for something, but at the same time, maximize their time there. All right. Make them to feel as valued and important members of the team. If somebody is coming to work happy, trust me, the staff turnover will be really, really low. If there's high staff turnover, that means you're always employing new staff to replace somebody every time. Okay. Nobody wants to do that because it is expensive and it is not a good reputation on any company. So what you can do is this to avoid that high staff turnover, involve people in the job. If you're going to effect any change, involve them ahead of time, make them understand what's expected, exactly what's going to happen. Okay. So they will get ready ahead of time because nobody wants sudden disruptions in their life or in their patterns of work or even the workplace environment. If you're going to introduce a generator 
that it's going to be noisy. Let people be aware. Let them not just come to work one day and now start struggling to adjust. And before you know it, they are thinking they don't really care about us in this workplace. They don't care what we do. They don't care what we say or how we feel. So why should I remain here? Okay. This is a simple assessment for you to evaluate your workplace, to evaluate whether there are things you need to speak up on, whether there are things you need to get clarity on, like workplace policies, resources, training opportunities, work demands, saying no, um, what else, contributing, giving feedback. And if you're an employer that is listening to me, make it a habit to get feedback from your employee. I just told you about a staff survey that was done by my workplace. It was so detailed. If they put, which I believe they will do, if they put into consideration everything that the staff has said, it will make the workplace to remain awesome. And let me tell you, my workplace, we have a psychologist that comes down from time to time to speak to us, to check in on our well-being. If you are working in such a place, why won't you want to remain there? <laughs> Before I conclude, I mentioned something earlier and that is, I mentioned something earlier and that is you can still experience burnout doing something you love. Now, if you go through the six basic structure, you realize that there are so many things that can contribute to workplace burnout, that can contribute to work-related stress. It's not just that it is a toxic workplace. So many different things. So you can still be doing what you love, but still have burnout. Like in my workplace, I love my job. I love everything with accidents and emergency. However, the work pattern is not so great. It's not so fun because I just told you about the six different patterns of my work shifts. Okay. So if there is no adequate rest, you can be at risk of not sleeping well because your circadian rhythm keeps changing. Today, you're being awake during the daytime. Tomorrow, you're, you're being awake at night. So if you're not getting adequate rest in between such a work pattern, you can still experience burnout. So yes, you can have burnout while doing what you love. All right. And thank you for joining me in this podcast. And I'm happy to take your questions. Please leave me a feedback. I really appreciate that. And if you want a shout out on my next podcast, still let me know. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Distress with Dr. E. We hope you found today's discussion insightful and practical. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your fellow professionals. Remember, your well-being matters, and we are here to support you on your journey to a stress-free life.